Family Fan Morning Show, Sports Night 59, the band, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Hard <laughs> agree, Coach Darko. I, I get it. I understand it. When you're the 20, 23, 24 Raptors, mm-hmm. how you could take the defending champions lightly at home. That you could think, oh, we could just cruise through this. We can moonwalk through the first quarter. A first quarter, by the way, after yesterday's, again, overall loss, mm-hmm. cut it to five in the fourth quarter against the Denver Nuggets. Lost. Mm-hmm. by, I think, double digit, digits or close to it the first quarter, have gone the entire month of December without winning a first quarter. Mm. No, I get it. When you're when you're the 2023-24 Toronto Raptors, after winning 41 games mm-hmm. a season ago, losing uh, embarrassingly in the play-in tournament game to a Chicago Bulls team mm-hmm. that's no good because you yep. missed a million free throws, I understand considering everything that's at stake individually and as a collective for this group, how you could go into a basketball game thinking, oh, it's it's just one of the greatest players ever lived. Mm-hmm. The history of the sport, the defending champions, and Mr. Clutch, the Canadian kid, Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can, just, we can just take it easy. We'll just ease into this basketball game. No, it turns out you can't because you are the Raptors and they are the Nuggets. I'd like to think that that they were just in awe of Canadian greatness, Jamal Murray, and they just couldn't help themselves but to stand around and watch. And that's why the start of the game looked the way it did. Because otherwise, I'm plumb out of excuses. You know, you you uh, you lay out a lot of good points there, except they're all wrong, Ben. You're right. How dare this team not take any... They shouldn't be taking the Charlotte Hornets lightly to start games. They mm-hmm. do that too, I know. But you cannot... Look yourself in the mirror and look that team in the eye and say, ah, play patty cake for 12 minutes and then we'll figure it out. It is infuriating. And the worst part about it is, is that it feels like that is a byproduct of a lack of buy-in. I don't even know if that's a fair way to look at it, but I am, I am out of other ways to understand this because why? What other reason is there for this team starting games the way they do all the time? Uh, front office said as a coach, they got they got a new coach who's uh, okay. He's happier. Oh. He's, uh, he's so, going to bring the positive vibes so to this basketball team. So they hired the wrong guy. Is what they're saying. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not there yet. No. Here, here's what I'm willing to say. I feel pretty confident in this take. That well, who knows if this this ever comes to pass? But if the Raptors ever get back to contention with with any of the core players on mm-hmm. this team and i mean specifically i think we're talking about scotty barnes like if if Looking somehow at you four yeah if if they are able to recoup assets for you know uh pascal siakam and maybe to a lesser extent og ananobi that one's going to be a tougher one to figure out because yeah of course he makes a little more sense with scotty barnes but yeah the the extension that you cannot offer him makes things a little more perilous with him um if this team gets back to contention and scotty barnes is the head of the snake with with this organization mm-hmm. or or playing, you know, 1A to whoever the new guy is who's the number one, who's going to lead this team to greatness. I have a hard time believing Darko Ryakovich is going to be at the helm here. Just I, early days, and I know we're still waiting with bated breath to mm-hmm. see where the restaurant is that he takes them on their their incre- on their three-game winning streak, which is coming, I'm by the way. I'm pretty sure that restaurant is in Atlantis, just <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Raptors have lost eight of their last 11, uh, and they will play 10 of their next 12 on the road. 24 games to go before the February 8th trade deadline, and 17 of those 24 on the road. I told you I would stop calling him Coach Darko. 
yeah. when they won their 42nd game of the year. And I'm feeling so safe in yeah. that regard. Maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe next year. Yeah, so I get it. Like, you're you're still in the early days of not just your Raptors coaching career, but your overall head, NBA head coaching mm-hmm. career, and you hope to have a long, long runway here. Yep. And, like, I guess if you look at the words, they're kind of harsh, right? Like, oh, hey, it's the same guys on the court. How come mm-hmm. we stink in the first <laughs> half, but we're, like, good in the second half? That's That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um. I think things need to be a little more pointed for, for for Darko, unless he's just, yeah, already he's throwing his hands up and understands that this is a bunch of guys that will not be playing all 82 games together. Yep. And everybody's kind of playing for their own statistics. And and for Scotty Barnes, that's worked out really well. I mean, he's taking an absolute giant leap, mm-hmm. shooting the ball, uh, stuffing the, the stat sheet each and every night. But, yeah, I, I, it, it, sounds, it sounds to me like a guy that's kind of resigned to his fate with this team. Yeah, I think there's some element to that. I also think there's some element of, you know, whatever criticisms you want to have a coach Darko. And I think there's plenty of pointed ones you can have. This is all also a byproduct of the organization being in complete stasis. We've been sitting here talking about a Pascal Siakam trade that is apparently one day going to happen and a Yakub Pirtle trade that in no world should have happened for we're going to be coming up on a year for that now. And the Siakam part of that is well over a year. We're at 18 months of that now. So whatever I want to say about Coach Darko and is he the right guy and will he be in charge when this thing finally gets turned around, all of those are fair questions. All of those are fair criticisms, but you cannot have those criticisms without taking an elevator up a few floors and saying, hey, Masai, hey, Bobby, what exactly is the plan here? And I think that is why this season, you know, we're going to talk about watchability factors in, in oh, t- yeah. on today's show. And that is why this team is so unwatchable on a night-to-night basis. Because let's say you have a good Pascal Siakam night. All, at least all I'm doing is sitting there going, oh, okay. Can you ask for an extra second now? Is that what that is worth? Or if you watch a game like last night where he struggles against... Anybody who's going to trade for him is going to hope he can play well in games like that against teams like that. And he didn't. The shooting is completely dropped off. So that is the biggest question hanging over the organization. And it continues to be a massive question mark. And so, yes, Coach Darko deserves a ton of criticism. You can you can levy it at him. But I don't think anybody should be taking bullets in this organization before the guys at the top do because it feels to me like the whole organization is paralyzed right now waiting for the other shoe to drop, yeah. except we've been waiting forever. Yeah, they, they drafted Scotty Barnes fourth overall. That was a good pick. Very good. Uh, they haven't done no good things. No, they did a lot of good things. Yes. Before the championship, leading up to the championship. They, it, it's It's been a rough go in the draft since then. Mm-hmm. You know what? Player acquisition. It's been, it's been Generally rough. Generally speaking. It, yeah. It's been rough. And, like, maybe Grady Dick uh, will figure it out. But, yeah, it, it, early returns, not so good on that. Uh, by the way, Scotty Barnes. Uh, yeah, another, 30. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Raptors are one and four in his 30 point games this season. So that's not ideal. I love that. Uh, you know what? Yeah, let's do this first then. Okay. Cause yeah, they're one and four in his 30 point games. He's taken a step. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if ever he's going to be the best player on a championship level team, but yeah, certainly he can be a contributor yeah. on a championship level team like as early as right now. You mm-hmm. throw that guy in a winning environment. Totally. I, I, I think he's going to survive. Like, I think he's going to be, okay, does a lot of things yep. that, that help you win basketball games, although not with this team. Again, one and four when he scores 30. Is there 
Because I talked about my kid being very, mm -hmm. very uh, okay mm. oh. in a losing environment. That <laughs> he's, he's, uh, you know, he's the, the loss is just they they roll off his back. Water off a duck's back. Is there a risk of? Because I know a lot of people have written about the Scotty Barnes. Well, you better like start giving him reason to believe soon because mm -hmm. you know the way the NBA works is like, yeah, guys don't leave in free agency. They sign the deal with you, but then yeah. they ask out of town. That's obviously part of this. But the other part is like, is there a risk to damaging the player's development because – and it hasn't always been as, as dark as it feels yep. right now, right? This guy's played in a playoff series, mm -hmm. and his injury against the Sixers was actually – Pretty instrumental, although you can look at the second half of that season and the Raptors getting into a six-game series against the Sixers is maybe the beginning of the end because <laughs> that gave them too much hope that they they didn't, in fact, uh, think about retooling at that point. Anyways, it hasn't always been this bad. Yeah. But last year was pretty bad, and the the president talked about the selfishness that, mm -hmm. that crept into this team, and Fred Van Vliet, post-fact, has said that was like the least fun I've ever had playing basketball. Great. And then you, then you got this season with 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 uh, the high school coach Darko Ryakovic and and a Raptors team that's going to be torn apart at the trade deadline. Is there an argument to be made that this, uh, this is not so great for the development of Scotty Barnes? I'd feel differently about it if he had the personality of just a pure gunner. If he was your kind of typical prototypical lead guard who had the ball all the time and was just looking for his that was his if DNA. He was Jordan Poole? Yeah, to well, I mean, if <laughs> there's was, no fixing Jordan Poole. I was going to say if he was honestly not better for the Raptors long term, but right now just watchability factor. Oh my god. What you Jordan would take Poole for with Jordan like Poole. 20 seconds in the shot oh. clock throwing threes off the backboard. Yeah. yeah. As coach Darko's eyes are popping clear <laughs> out of his skull. Yes, like Sign for, me up for that. Uh, I actually would very much like that. Just for a month. Actually, yeah. I think I fixed Jordan Poole. He should be rented yes. to franchises that just have nothing going on for right. a time. The point I make by that is if he had that personality, if he had that mindset in him, then I would think that playing with a team that doesn't have the structure, the long-term plan, however you, the right roster construction, however you want to word it, then I think that that would do damage to his development. But what I see in Scotty Barnes, I don't necessarily see a guy who goes, oh, this is fine, losing's fine. I see a guy getting irked by it, and I think that's good. And the other part of it is that because of the player he is, he is a facilitator. Yes, mm. he'll get his if it's there, but he's just as happy to pass up a shot for a better one or facilitate to teammates. So because of that, I don't worry about it as much. Obviously, it's not ideal. Obviously, you'd much rather him be in a winning environment, but this is the... You know, I could make the argument. I don't know that I want to, but I could make the argument that if you need Scotty Barnes to be the tip of the spear and not one of the two or three guys on a championship team, but the guy, this is better for him than being insulated in a kind of championship or, you know, more playoff expectations environment. I don't know that I want to make mm. that argument, but I think I could. <laughs> sure, you can make any argument. I, it's true. I'm very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know that I win them, except in my brain. Scoreboard, 100 to 1 for sure, me. Sure, sure. Yeah, like, given the parameters, any sports argument can be made. Like, that the Raptors did, uh, you know, a good job not fouling the Nuggets as they only went to the line <laughs> seven times. They had 62 points of the paint. <laughs> like, maybe... Maybe, maybe they should have fouled they, them. Yeah, maybe, like... 
that would have indicated like a, a level of defense. So where are you at on that? You think this is you think this is nuking him? You think it's tanking him? What do you think? No, it's I doing? think it's a good point that he's a he's a uh, box score stuffer, yeah. right? Like that he's not. Yeah, he's the the scoring part is is a big part of his game, and it's part of the reason you feel like he's taking a step forward this year. But yeah, it had a thirty point double double yesterday. I mean, had five assists, had the block. Like he's he's doing other things that mm-hmm. help you win basketball games. Um, I don't see the selfishness that Masai Ujiri talked about last year. I think that was pointed at one guy, and it was Pascal Siakam and the amount of isolation uh, offensive series that that he he took. But, like, again, not again because I haven't mentioned it. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, that that is a Raptors team that didn't have a lot of options offensively. And, yeah, Pascal and isolation, as limited as as that was, was was probably the best hope this team had of, of scoring a season ago. Anyways, uh, we don't have to watch this team for all that much longer because, again, they're, they're going to be torn to shreds, you would think, at the trade deadline. Right, knock on wood. I do wonder, just quickly with that, with the Siakam part of it, is, you know, like the shooting has just dropped off a cliff this year. And what does that do to his trade value? I mean, it doesn't help it, but is it enough to completely scare some teams away? Because, you know, size has kind of come back in vogue a bit in mm. the NBA and Siakam isn't like a, a big stout guy, but he's long, he's rangy. He could defend a lot of positions. And you do wonder how much the, the kind of drop off of a shooting this year from year oh, over year is going to affect have it to figure out a contract for him at the conclusion of the season as I, well. I got to be and honest. He's the guy that was well, the face of selfishness for this team a season ago. Yes, yes, yes. I think I think a contending team can look at that and go, yeah, I'd be selfish in that scenario sure. too. Very different bringing us in here. I will say that I do wonder if, is it, I don't know, maybe this is very obvious as I think about it out loud, but doesn't it, it feels to me like a team would be way more likely to take Siakam as a rental. As a like, eh, let's take him, go on a run, figure this out. Whereas a team acquiring OG, because he fits so seamlessly into everything that any team wants to do, I see that as you're acquiring him, hoping obviously to extend him. Whereas I, I don't can think see you're world... acquiring either guy without the thought of extending them, right? Yeah. Like you get their bird rights. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think the the, the NBA works no, I, in a fashion I, where the Raptors no. did what they did with Fred VanVleet. Like I think that's the nightmare scenario: is I, that you can't. No, the oh, Raptors you, you get outbid. The and Raptors can nobody has cap space, anyways, right? Yeah. Like nobody good has cap space. These guys no. don't go to free. No, agency. you're taking a like you're taking contracts on obviously to make the deal. That's like how they work in the NBA. But I do wonder if there's a if we get to a point with his market and the Raptors hold on to it still if they're if the, his market changes to a point where he is I, I shouldn't say not expected to extend but it is it's seen by a team is okay this is like if you're a team that you feel has one less crack at it if you're in basically the position the Raptors were going to be in when they made their and I will do not take this as me calling Pascal Siakam Kawhi Leonard because believe me, I'm the last guy that would ever say that. But if there's a team that's at the natural end of their cycle here, they have one last shot. Not the top of my head. I can't think of who that team is. But the Warriors, the Warriors, where they say we got to push in. This is a guy, and if we can't extend him, if it makes sense to extend him after the run, great. But if not, we have to give Steph as many chances as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Now the shooting part of it. That really hampers a team like the Warriors. They, I mean, they're the Warriors. Every team wants shooting. They really, really want shooting. But yeah, I do. I do just wonder about that as we creep closer and closer to this without, you know, any more clear direction on where this is going. Do you know how much the Golden State Warriors are paying in luxury tax bill this year? I bet I was looking so at much money. Okay, so their their payroll is two hundred and seven million dollars. Okay, their luxury tax bill is almost as much 190 million dollars they're paying in luxury taxes here the reason i bring it up the reason i was looking at this 
Because a uh, lot. Uh, I was looking at this because I'm like, okay, what what is the playbook for hope for this Raptors team? Because we did it a couple times. You know, in recent vintage, it was, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? Okay, this Raptors team, despite the fact they don't have any superstars, they can do the the Pistons thing where like they right. play great defense and the the, the collective can mm-hmm. can overcome. Hey, LeBron James, okay, he's not going to be as dominant as he's been forever in the Eastern Conference. Okay, that that was incorrect to, to sell yourself on so that. Dominant. And then after that, it was Giannis is going to be sick of it in Milwaukee, oh, and there's yeah. a clear connection between him and Masai, and and everybody's mm-hmm. keeping their powder dry around the NBA looking for his uh, eventual departure in free agency, but yeah. nobody more than the Raptors. And then you know, he wins in Milwaukee, and then he yeah. re-ups, and he's not going to leave as long as they keep... Uh, fulfilling his wishes from a roster as perspective. As long as his brother is employed, yeah. Yeah, they, and it's, I mean, maybe one day eventually they, they they run out of time, but okay, that dream clearly in the rearview mirror. What is the playbook for hope with this team now? Because for me, it is looking across the court yesterday at mm. Jamal Murray, who didn't sign his extension before the season this year because he hoped to be an all-NBA player yep. and, and be eligible for Supermax. Now, Apparently, he only has four games to play with the rest of the way before he misses the cutoff yeah. for uh, all NBA and uh, awards uh, consideration because mm-hmm. of the new rules. Take you got to play Adam 65. Um, so maybe that's not going to happen. But you know who owns the Nuggets? Hmm. Stan Kroenke. Yeah. Owns, uh, he also owns everything. He owns, every, I was going to say, the a lot of teams. In North American pro sports, including Colorado Avalanche, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, but yeah, like I don't think embedded in the community of Denver. Now mm-hmm. they just want a championship. Yep. And I think in an overall sense, there was probably, a, you, you look at the ledger for the Nuggets a season ago, was probably, they were probably making money. Yeah, I think I, despite the fact I, that they paid into the luxury confirm. tax for the first time in a decade, I think your best hope is that either one of two things happens. And I, I think one is more likely than the other. Mm. One, like the Nuggets run out of time in this window of contention for some reason don't seem like contenders anymore, which seems like if you got, you know, Nikola Jokic. Both of those guys are there, yeah. As long as Jokic is there, even if Jamal Murray's not healthy, which he hasn't Mm -hmm. been routinely, like as long as he's healthy for the postseason, you feel like you probably always have a chance. Second one would be, oh, maybe, maybe you're hoping against hope Mm -hmm. that Stan Kroenke puts profit ahead of mm. winning and says, you know what? We're not the Golden State Warriors. I, 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 I'm I, not just going to keep throwing money despite the fact that we're perhaps a dynastic team. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Um, and you could maybe capitalize on Jamal Murray um, because that's that's the best I got right now. And Unless you're going to, as as Michael Grange yep. writes in sportsnet.ca, you're going to get super lucky in the draft like the Nuggets did, mm-hmm. selecting Jokic in the second round, or you hit on one of these, you know, mid-first-round picks like you did with, with Pascal and OG. But, yeah, to, to me, and it's oftentimes these these plans don't mm-hmm. see themselves out to, to the finish line, yeah. but to me, that would be the thing I'd be most hopeful for right now, for just a path to hope. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hopeful <laughs> for the path to hope. Okay, hopeful for a path to hope. Uh, I am the most pessimistic person in the world, so that is a very difficult road for me to find. I don't know that I've ever even passed it on on like an overpass or anything, but I'll try to get there. First things first, before I dive too much into that, uh, if I'm a Denver sports fan, which just to be clear, I'm not, and I don't think Stan Kroenke cares, but if I hear a guy worth, according to Wikipedia, so you know, do with that what you will, 
$8.7 billion is like, I'm good on Jamal Murray. Mm. Costs too much money. Tough sell, but I don't think he cares about these things. My concern with the Murray aspect of it is that the real path to him being here is the health stuff and a team making a smart business decision saying, oh, okay, this is a 27-year-old who has had a lot of knee problems and had a lot of health stuff, and we got the championship out of him because playoff Jamal was a very, very real thing. And, oh, I don't know, maybe after a great moment for Canada, that's the off-ramp. Like, my worry with Jamal Murray coming here would be that it's a cooked version of him. And I'm not saying he's cooked now. Looked mm-hmm. pretty good to me last night. But that is my worry with him. The other part that I, I can't help but think that way is that do we want to be the New York Knicks where instead of doing it with every marquee free agent in the history of the sport, we just sit there and go, surely one of these guys is going to want to come play here well, and that's the only way we're ever going to be good. I mean, what's the other option? Well, it's, the, it's it's drafting first overall. It's yeah, I mean, they the, already having, hit on their Scotty Barnes. Having the, the other option is getting back to what led this organization not to the promised land. Like the 2019 title will always be the goal. But what led this organization to respectability, to respect in the handshake line from LeBron James, if you will, when LeBron, the greatest thing that ever happened to the Toronto Raptors before the championship, when he said, oh, these fans are great. Listen to them cheering me after I just whooped them in the Eastern Conference final. But the path to that was solid drafting and developing and actually building up the pieces of the team, hitting on those late round steals. My worry with the sitting there with the, quite honestly, it feels like pipe dream of Shea or Jamal, or we're going to do the Masai Ujiri has connections to Giannis, or I don't know, maybe some people are going to start doing the, oh, Darko has connections to Jokic. If you're just hoping for these loose, then you are the Knicks, but you're not, but you basically become a team that's the Knicks, but you have a way smaller pool of guys you're hoping for. And guess what? If the New York Knicks cannot sell someone on coming to the Mecca and being the Messiah, pretty hard for me to see a world where Jamal Murray willingly walks away from ready-made champion in Denver. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, there's a reason he didn't bring him up. Because in what world is he walking away from the most ready-made winner of all time? Okay, what's... you see? Yeah, okay, but they haven't done anything, right? They haven't? Okay, like, they surprised everybody being relevant, as Mm -hmm. relevant as they were a season ago, and they're going to be in the playoffs, you would think, in the Western Conference this year, the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's also Oklahoma City. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I don't know. To me, okay, if you were... Gauging the likelihood of one of those two stars because it's a Andrew Wiggins having a horrible, horrible yeah. season in in Golden St- in Oakland yeah. or San Francisco. I Wherever, guess who cares? In the Golden State, he's sure. having a horrible season. He and Clay Thompson have been the face of failure for that Warriors team mm-hmm. this season. So, like, yeah, you you can get an Andrew Wiggins. Like, it's no yeah. problem. Like Maple <laughs> Jordan, we still calling him that? Probably not. Uh, no, the, yeah, you, you're 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 not targeting Andrew Wiggins anymore. But yeah, it's those two dudes. Like, yeah, and it's and it's those two guys that have not just connections to this country, but this general area and, yep. you know, Shay from okay. Hamilton and, so, and, and Jamal Murray from Kitchener. When you messaged me this, just like kind of talking about this a little last night, I was thinking, and maybe this is dumb, but you, you, I'm uh, for people who don't know the story of Shay Gilgis Alexander buying this house this mm-hmm. summer. And basically it used to be lived in by some guy the named crypto the crypto King. King. Somebody showed up at his house. Oh, where's this guy? Give me my money. Blah, blah, blah. He got out of the sale. Do you think there's any part of him that like that 
was like, ooh, I don't like that. And he reflexively is like, you know what? Oh, Maybe that's okay. a Canada thing? Oh, no, there's no, so not, many crypto no, kings? No, not that that's a Canada thing. But if you're going to say that's Oklahoma City, well, this is Toronto. They're very different things. If all if that makes him just go, oh, you know what? Maybe OKC is actually nice where if, nobody cares about it. he's a any. loser, but I don't think yeah, he is. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I see him dressed. That doesn't look like a guy who wants to live <laughs> yeah. in Oklahoma City. I can, hey. No offense. I've never been to Oklahoma City. I only like to make fun of cities I've been to, and no, I've never I, been to OKC. I've I, been close. I've been one state over. I've been to Texas. Okay. But, but, yeah, no, I can't say oh, for certain. Well, and I feel like in Texas, throwing shots at Oklahoma City is probably about as safe a thing as Yo, you can do. I mean, yes. just throwing shots anywhere. They're like, hell, yeah, mm-hmm. keep yeah. shooting, bud. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I actually have no qualms with uh, throwing shots at cities. Okay. I don't like to travel, so I will throw a shot at your city I, even I, not going there. I, again, like, is there a high level of likelihood that the Raptors will be able to convince either guy not again like nobody gets to free agency anymore in the NBA what happens is your team signs you and then you you worm your way out right like you 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 don't play nice you you indicate that you're not happy Mm -hmm. um and and there is a turnover like it's man years and years and years from the potential of that happening in Oklahoma City Mm -hmm. um and it's hard to envision a team that just won a championship. Yeah, that happening for Jamal Murray, unless it is, as you say, like yeah. at the end of his twilight, he wants yeah. to have like a swan song in well, Toronto. I, w- I worry, and again, like I don't wish this on him. I would love to be wrong about it. I just worry the twilight's going to come when he's 30 years old or something. Like for a guy who's already no, but, had that many problems, yeah. But what's more likely? Who's the, who's the more likely candidate one day to play for the Toronto Raptors during their relevant part of their career? Uh, I think it's Jamal Murray. I do, because I think with the Shea Gilgis-Alexander thing, I totally understand the case you're making about, hey, it's Oklahoma City. That's also a team that that will have every piece of ammunition possible available to him to go win. And the other part of it as well is that they've already screwed this up once when they had Abaca and Durant and Harden yeah, but they, and Westbrook. You know why they screwed it up is because they didn't want to play into the, pay into the luxury tax, so, right? Like, that's what we're talking about but here. But the difference with that with this team now is that they've been able to roll so many of these picks forward and forward and forward, mm-hmm. so they're going to be able to replace it with young talent. Like, I, I just think that it is more likely that Murray is here, and I, I would love to be wrong about it, but it's because of the health stuff. I do worry that another team kind of box at it, and then that is the most kind of natural way for him to slide into this. And, hey, I, I'd love to... I'd love to see it, but I do worry that it won't be, you know, capital J Jamal Murray when we mm, when we see him. Lowercase J. Yeah, lowercase J. Uh, it was good to see his dad yesterday. Yeah, always. Yeah. I, I think both of those guys, like, so the Raptors, hey, they, they, they've actually physically signed free agents, not the very tippy top of the free agent oh, pool. Oh, yeah, DeMar like, Carroll worked out great. Yeah, and they, they, <laughs> they acquired an NBA <laughs> Finals MVP in in Kawhi Leonard, who they almost convinced. Like, yeah, they went from a guy that was like, there were rumbles that he wouldn't participate uh, as a member of the Toronto Raptors when they traded for him, you know, pending free agent. Which has happened here. And they, they, you know, there was a a Jalen Rose report that they were 99% on the verge of of re-signing him. So, like, that's as close as we've gotten to this team actually attracting the notable... Mm -hmm. Not free agent, notable player in the NBA out of the just the their own their own feelings. Like they have forced their way to Toronto. It's just never happened. Nope. But if you were going to believe it mm-hmm. is ever going to happen, if it was ever possible, it's with a couple of guys with connections to the country who have shown up for Team Canada. By the way, Jamal Murray saying what we all expected to be the case that he's yeah. he's gonna awesome. play 
this summer in Paris at the Olympics if he's healthy, which knock please, on wood. Please, please. And after a, a long uh, playoff run, we hope uh, for Jamal Murray. Like a medium. I, like, I got to be honest, medium playoff run. I care much more about Jamal Murray being yeah. the best version of himself for Canada basketball than I do about the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, those two guys are, I think, your most legit hope that that somebody of a star caliber is going to want to play for the Toronto Raptors because it just hasn't happened in I w- the franchise's history. I do think it's more likely that... And you know, it feels unfair to the guy just catching a stray here, but it's all I. I feel like it's more likely the R.J. Barrett level of guy who yeah. it's the homecoming and you talk yourself into it, and it's a nice piece, sure, yeah. but not changing the world by any means. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what it feels like. It that, does. That's not nearly as sexy. No, it's not. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll talk about the Leafs in just a second, but we're on the topic of. Yeah. Um, Potential MVPs and reigning MVPs. Joel Embiid is having mm, another MVP incredible. season. He put up 51 against the best defense in the NBA in the Minnesota Timberwolves yesterday. Mm-hmm. Sixers are 19 and eight. They're a game and a half back of first in the Eastern Conference. They have the best point differential in the entire NBA. Now, Tyrese Maxey's having an incredible season as well. But Nick Nurse is there. This is his first season mm-hmm. uh, as the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, are you rooting for him? Like, do you care? Like, have you have your feelings evolved? Because I, I can tell you mine have. I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm rooting for Nick Nurse. I do wonder if I'd feel differently about it if he was in a different place. And I know we shouldn't have any, like, ill will towards Philly, but because, you know, like, we won the series that matters. But it it does, I'd fe- I wonder if I'd feel differently if he was just to pick the team they played last night. If he was mm-hmm. the Timberwolves head coach, I feel I would feel unreserved in go Nick Nurse. But I do feel it's a little complicated because of the 76ers. I was never as I was never as frustrated with him at the exit because I saw the roster that he had to work with as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that it's evolved as much as much as you all are starting to come to my side of the equation, I think. I my my feelings have evolved because while I, I thought it was time for him to go and and I didn't mm-hmm. think it was necessarily the worst thing in the world, that everybody, you know, they run their course and eventually the the message gets stale. I, and as much as I was dubious of the front office's plan and giving away first round picks for a team that yeah. wasn't a championship contender, I did. There was some of it that I understood. It's like, oh yeah. Like, how do we know Malachi Flynn's no good? Like, how do we know you can't like reduce the minutes a little bit during a regular season, which has limited import mm-hmm. that you can, you know, you could probably get into, you know, a 10 team playoff field in the Eastern conference without playing Pascal Siakam 44 minutes a, a night. Apparently not. Yeah, no, after watching the early days of Darko Royakovich, I I kind of, I want Nick Nurse to win the divorce because he mm. was right. Like, I, I am, I, you're right, because the, the team plays into this, that it's Joel Embiid who did the airplane yeah. thing. Like is, yeah, yeah, but he's also like, to me, he's the guy who did the crying. Yeah, thing. he That's did the really crying. He also did the crying yeah, thing. But yeah, but it's an Eastern Conference team. And, and if you're ever going to get back to. Got to go through being relevant again, yeah, you're going to have to be better than that Sixers team. But I will say that there's, as long as the Raptors are irrelevant this season, yeah, I'm I'm hoping for good things for for Nick Nurse. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. the The other thing that I'm curious to see about this from Joel Embiid and uh, is like we know Nurse plays his guys into the dirt, and what version of Joel Embiid mm-hmm. is going to exist by the time playoff time? Everybody's playing rolls around. I know Kawhi it's plays nuts. all the time. I know. What a what a thing to say about a professional athlete it's in the year twenty twenty three. Crazy. The uh the other thing, this is a complete non sequitur. Did not ha- expect to bring it up today, but you mentioned Nick Nurse, and you know it's funny. Like 
I thought the box in one was like our little legacy here. Mm. We'll always remember it. I couldn't get to sleep last night. So I was watching the King Celtics game mm-hmm. and they throw, they threw up a replay in the corner of the screen while the game was going on, like a picture in picture and thing, but they call it the box and one yeah. on the yeah, game. NBA did, TV. That's yeah. What they do. I didn't, I, I've never seen that before. I was like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. I love this to death. So, you know what? Yeah, it's great. Next nurse, in, I, innovator, inventor, I, legend I, in the game. Did that exist on NBA TV before I don't, 2019? I, I don't feel like it would have because you would have just called it picture in picture because that's mm. been a thing on TVs for, I mean, it's not anymore because we all have 37 Nick TVs. Nurse still selling his box and one t shirts. I don't know. The thing that irks us all is that he never sold his Nick Nurse hats just because I would have wanted to make fun of a guy. Can you not buy an, I, an NN I'm, hat? I'm almost positive that that's a one of one. I don't oh. think I don't think Nick Nurse has like a team shop that mm. you can get that from. Because if you do, uh, please hand up if you have purchased one so I can laugh at you. Mm. Uh, so Tom Brady won the divorce between he and Bill Belichick. Uh, TBD, like... he has Nathan Rourke now, so we should hold our powder on that. <laughs> Feels uh, but, yeah. like Nick Nurse is winning the divorce between he and the Raptors. Agreed. Right. Uh, when we come back, Leafs in Buffalo tonight, are they a normal team? We, we didn't melt down. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> uh, after their most recent loss. Also, uh, Jays, you, you going to do a thing? Like one thing? Like Just poking them with the stick. Uh We'll talk about Are that. They alive? And we'll talk about that more next as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 the fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Gipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports at 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, friend Gunning. Uh, shout out to the Leaf fans who are making the trip across the border mm. to Buffalo tonight to see the Leafs and Sabres. And yeah, I, I guess a discounted rate from what you pay here at Scotiabank Arena. It's not cheap, though, to go see the Leafs anywhere, really. Like, no. I think everybody's come to the conclusion that yeah, the Leaf fans, they, they travel a bit. Yeah, uh, the Leafs game on the moon would be sold out, <laughs> yeah. and that would be an well, expensive ticket. People would want that. We're, you know... You talked about the moon. Yeah, you talked please. about space travel. Moon jail? And Where are we going? No, I, do you know we're going back to the moon like very soon? Who's we? Like human? Okay. The human what race? Is, like Artemis we... just went to the moon. They did oh. an uh, unmanned... Okay, I'm very confused. Uh, Artemis? Mission, not, mission. not our man Armin behind no. the glass today. No, like literally in a couple of years, okay. a Canadian is going to oh, go nice. to the moon. They're going to land on the moon... For the first time since the 70s. Is, do you think, like, is Chris Hatfield upset about that? Because that guy, like, no shots. If I went to space, I'd never stop telling people about it oh as all. But God. it's like. Hold on. Are you about to say anything even slightly negative towards Chris Hatfield? No, just saying, like, the guy's been in the spotlight as our man. Like, yes. he's our Canadian astronaut. They yeah. had him drop a puck from space yeah. at a Leaf game. Oh, my God. I don't, okay? like, I don't like your tone already. No, no. I just, like, I worry for him. Hmm. Like he's fine. Okay. Well, do for, I, that he's going to be put in the background. Yeah. Like you know, is he's he the, the second? Like if I there's think a he's guy already who just gets two. back from the moon. I think he's already number two behind the arm. Canada arm number one. Ooh. Chris okay. Hadfield, two. Uh, hey, space people out there, let me know. I'm a do space you, person. Well, okay, but I don't. I want another one. Okay. I, I can't just have your opinion and you be the arbiter of all things. That absolutely can't. Mm. 
I'm good on that. Uh, I, I'll take your parenting advice and everything else. I'm like, eh, I'm yeah, going right. to look at a little little squint-eyed. But uh, let us know in the text line. Greater invention, or, or I guess Chris Hatfield isn't an invention. No, he's, he's a man. Yeah. Uh, so you First have thing that comes to mind Canada when you arm. think about Canada I am Chris space. Hatfield. I do. And maybe it's just because he loves the Leafs. He definitely loves the Leafs more than Canada arm loves the Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> Can't confirm. I, that's true. So maybe, oh, well, that's. But who would win in a fight? Like, obviously, Canada <sighs> Arm. Well, where's the fight? Anywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> Canada well, Arm. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not talking good? about. Well, I mean, unless, like, they're playing, I don't know, chess. Well, I guess, just, yeah. well I feel like, I don't know, Depend Canada on who's, who's operating well, I just, yeah, What arm. I'm getting at is. What he, are we talking if about? If he gets in there and starts pulling stuff in Canada Arm, I feel like, you know, snip a wire or two and all of a sudden. It's not arming oh, is what I like. Yeah. Like pretty oh, like, you're saying like if, he knows the weaknesses yeah, of Canada. If Canada arm. arm punches Chris Hatfield. Yeah. Uh, checkmate Canada <laughs> arm. But if he's able to duck and weave and get in there, I am so mad that we have got so <laughs> sidetracked. I don't even know how it happened. If, I wanted to sidetrack us by talking about Nick Nurse's hat. Yeah. But now we're on the moon. Yeah. Canada arm. This is a long way of talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Can I just quickly get in the Nick Nurse hat thing? Okay. It does exist. My man Armin tipping me to it. You can buy it for $65 on his website. There's two versions of it. One of them sold out. Yeah. So people want no, this I, thing. I obviously, like, you don't no, come no. up with a logo and you don't wear your hat because you're not making a dollar off that. Like, obviously, they were going to be for sale. Is that... I, and this is the yeah. conversation we were having in the break. Is that how much hats go for these days? I haven't bought a hat in a while. $60 plus dollars no, not, for a hat? It's not a typical price, but I mean, we we have some. We have a one mutual friend specifically. He might have joined us on the show talking Leafs with us yesterday. Shout out Sam McKee, who he'll... He'll spend some dollars mm. on a on a lid. So yeah, I I bought some. I don't know about sixty five, but I've spent some money at like mm. golf course hats, things like that. Mm. I've never I've never cracked the sixty dollar barrier on a hat. Maybe fifty. What 60s. would God? I would I would actually want to see your face if you were like, oh, I like this hat, and then you walked up to the till and you, oh God, the yeah. repulsion in you. I actually I want to see this happen. I'm old enough to happen. remember forty dollar a liter gas and twenty dollar a hat. Prices like I I remember hat was twenty bucks. That was, that was I, it. you could get I, I a CD remember. for about twenty bucks too. Oh man, melancholy and the infinite sadness double CD for sub thirty dollars. Anyways, what a time to be alive. Okay, Leafs <laughs> Buffalo tonight. So they're normal. This show's not normal today. But <laughs> not the Leafs, even close. The Leafs are normal as we thought they might be after winning a postseason round mm. a season ago. Um, the. <laughs> I do think the recent run-up to that loss two days ago mm. Im- impacts the, dis- the the discussions around the team for sure, considering that game. But yeah, that that's a game that in years previous, and especially considering you know the things surrounding mm-hmm. it, might have received more negative attention. It was it was a loss in which only Austin Matthews scored, mm-hmm. and against one of the big boys in the yeah. Eastern Conference, the team with the, the the highest points percentage in all of the National Hockey League. Is that an indication? Because nobody's burning mm-hmm. down the city of Toronto, that that this is at least in this moment kind of a normal hockey market now. Mm-hmm. Um, we just tweet about it. It's Vancouver that burns things down when they they get upset. But right. I uh, I I I can I have to first look internally when answering this question. And I don't know. Maybe it's the holiday season. Maybe more likely it's the run of play that they've had leading into this. 
if that game would have happened in years past, I would have been screaming about this team is cursed. And that game is a perfect example of it. You get no power plays. You have three pinball goals that have no business going in and you have a good goaltender on the other side of things that we've seen that game a million times. I have freaked out about that game a million times. I think the run of play is far and away the biggest reason why we all had the pragmatic hmm, okay well it's a hockey game you're gonna have some of those uh, approach to it but I also think that you know when we have the discussions about are they a normal team we don't ever realize it in the moment but it's like two days afterwards I'm sitting here going huh we had a pretty relaxed response mm-hmm. to that there was no freaking out and I think it is all little pieces of the puzzle adding up to it I think the biggest one is what the team has been this year but I don't think I don't think we can overstate how much of it is that they did get over the hump. And the farther we get away from the Florida series, the more you can think about getting over the hump Mm. in the aftermath of it, especially even early on in the season, or if they would have lost that exact game to the Panthers, Mm. I think we feel differently about it. But the farther we get away from that series, I think you can have the positive memories of the playoffs and the sour taste of Florida dissipates a little bit and that's why they feel a little more normal to maybe me. it's not conscious for me if it's happening it's it's not conscious mm. the the idea that the the first round series victory over the lightning is informing like the normal takes about this this leafs team i guess i yeah if i was going to get like if i was going to guess as to the the impact it's having on my subconscious brain mm-hmm. <laughs> when i think about the leafs is are that, we back in the space conversation no, no. Is, is that yeah Oh, it's the the unluckiest team in the NHL over the last near decade. Always unlucky again. Oh, big surprise. Yeah. But like, I guess, yeah, it's hard to call them again for reasons that go beyond just winning the first right. round series against the Lightning. They've been pretty lucky that they fell into Austin Matthews in the first overall pick when mm-hmm. they did. But yeah, it, that was a series they were lucky to win. So maybe the worm is turning in the luck department. But I, I think... Y- y- <laughs> You would have sounded like a crazy person if after nine consecutive games with a, at least a point and the first regulation mm-hmm. loss in 10 was Simon Benoit and yep. William Lagason and Martin Jones <laughs> on the ice for this team. And you watch the three goals that went in past Martin Jones. You're like, well, this is unacceptable. unacceptable. Like, no, no. Obviously, it was never going to happen. But that being said, you lose tonight in Buffalo. Yeah, panic time. You well, can't back to back games in regulation. I mean, if we want to extrapolate that, it's like you got the jackets lurking on Saturday night. If you do lose both those games, then then we'll all be right, so far down. away I was from just the normal kidding, team. But you're yeah, being no, serious because it all it's always lurking. The thought of oh the boogeyman God. for this team. So you know what? There it is. I just leaned on it. Nah. Still not normal. Nah. I thought they were. <laughs> that's that's maybe not a- okay. You know what? They might be normal. Yeah, you're not. I'm not. No. That's what we've landed again, on here. This show's not normal today. Today? God, no. Uh, before we take a break, I, I do want to I want to pay off a tease. Oh. Uh, I mentioned the Jays. You did. You said Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, sometimes I, I'm very careful not to, like, force feed topics into the show. Mm-hmm. But, like, we've gone so long. So am I because we don't talk about golf every single day. Right. But we've gone so long without a Blue Jays story. And, like, there's been peripheral reports mm-hmm. and indications. The Jays, hey, Jonathan India could be a human. And Chris Black is in, like, interest- don't, please, God. Yeah. I um, agree. Yeah, that, the th- that might happen. And, you know, 
Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith's got to pay the bills every once in a while. Like, yeah, sports.ca is like, hey, Ben, I know nothing's going on here. Can you write about how there's nothing going on and what the next moves could be? We got to do shows every day, bud. Right. And and he mentioned a bunch of names in there, and and Ben is is well informed mm-hmm. on what the Blue Jays are looking to do when they do something. Because not only have they spent zero dollars in free agency, they've acquired zero players. Like they've just literally mm-hmm. done not a thing. And I think it's safe to say at this point, as as Christmas is Monday, mm-hmm. that it's probably going to go into the new year before the Blue Jays do a thing. Seems that way. But I, I will say the one thing that was most concerning that I read from Ben Nicholson Smith Smith's piece. And this is taking my logical brain out of it because I oh, can see okay. a logical way that bringing Matt Chapman back makes sense. Blue Jays don't have a third baseman. And yeah, there's uh, the Cody Bellinger thing at the top of the free agent pile, but boy, go beyond him, especially infielders. There's uh, not a lot going on there. You could do worse than Matt Chapman, whose overall numbers... We're fine, and the defense might be regressing. He's still better than anybody else you're going to acquire to play third base for you. I look at that one move in particular, like, the, and it shouldn't be the number one thing you're thinking about uh, exciting the fan base, right? Considering the the negative news cycle yeah, that surrounded show, post Shohei Otani, right? Like, your number one priority should be winning baseball games, but like a portion of your thinking should be, hey. How is this going to be received in the city of Toronto as we try to sell out the brand-new premium seating that requires a five-year commitment? Got to tell you, getting Matt Chapman on a hundred-plus million-dollar deal for close to a decade is is the last thing that I want to see from a team that was a playoff team, and they won 89 games, and he was part of that, but he was the face of how difficult it was to watch 162 games of that team a season ago. Yeah, and it felt like he was, you know, hey, man, Vlad and Bo and plenty of other guys had big spots and big moments, but it did feel like every single time Chapman came to the dish, there were seven runners on base. Like, it felt like he had all the chances last year. So, yeah, face of failure, whether that's wholly fair or or not. I also think, and this isn't happening, but you'd feel differently about it if it's the, all right, market's not there, one, two-year right. reset. There are guys like right. that that I like in free agency. And you'd feel very differently about Matt Chapman if you're understanding, like, okay, you know no. what? Hey, the, hey, I know we all watched the playoffs last year, but remember, this was a playoff team last year. So if you bring those parts back together, people can squint and see it if it's that. But if it's long-term commitment and he's going to be here for the foreseeable future, which at this point in free agency, I'd imagine still has to be. It is just so unpalatable. He's going to get his money. He's going to get his money. And I've, I, it's funny. I, I, I was joking about this on uh, this show when the giants were here last year, that he was so chummy with them, that mm-hmm. he's going to be a giant. And I still kind of think he might be a yeah. giant very, very much in, in play there. The, the other thing I was thinking about with that is, and you know, I don't think they're in the mix here, although there's always a mystery team, even though it's not what they need. How much more excited would people be about Yamamoto, Yamamoto than Matt Chapman coming back? Oh, my back? God. Even though that is, quite honestly, the last thing the Blue Jays need is a high... I mean, you no, can never have... No, it's not the last thing. I shouldn't say the last thing, but it is... If you're looking at positions of need on this team, it is the last thing they need. I mean, I suppose you could say, you know, they don't need another first baseman DH type, although, you know, they're going to go find one. Mm-hmm. So Those guys are... That's actually like that's, a, 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 a pool of players right. where they... They're the most impactful yeah. for the most reasonable money exists. Exactly. So I, I just look at it and I 
you're right. Like the idea of building a team, you should go about it, just build the best team you think. And, and the argument you shouldn't, you know, Ross steps to the mic and he's going to say what he's going to say. But the sell job of it is the hopefully 92 win team you build or something along those lines. But man, the reaction to that, whew, it would be dark. I, I came to the microphone many a time at the conclusion of the season for the Blue Jays and said, somebody's going to look at Matt Chapman's baseball reference page and they're going to see, yeah, the takeaway can be above average or at least an average offensive player who plays at least average to above average defense at a premium position, stays on the field as long as he's not pinching his finger in a weight, right? Like dropping a weight on his finger. And they're going to say, that guy, sure, he can make a hundred plus million dollars for my team. And then I'm going to laugh at that team because I understand that this guy had the April Mm -hmm. of all Aprils, like one of the historically great Aprils in the history of the sport. And then was one of the worst players offensively in all of baseball for five months. And, and, and I was going to laugh at that team for signing that contract. If it's the blue Jays, (laughs) that's going to be, that's going to be a tough one. Anyways, um, We'll talk uh, more baseball with Adnan Verk later on in the program. But when we come back, we'll uh, get back into the Leafs. Again, who are in Buffalo tonight to play mm-hmm. the Sabres in a hotly anticipated game. One, to see what the Sabres do after giving up a nine spot to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, how does uh, Don Granato, uh, how is he received by the Sabres faithful? But also, this Leafs team is exciting to watch. And there's growing anticipation with each regular season game. Where does the excitement level for this regular season rank amongst recent Toronto sports teams? Uh, that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.